1: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt and Jim Schonard, I am John Manuel, coming to you the Baseball America podcast nook. I want to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at a the baseball training machine company, and I will find my copy right here. a is committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATechSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbett and more on A-TechSports.com, A-Tech, win every practice. I promise I said that from memory on a local radio show last week, but I couldn't do it just now, and I had to pull out the iPad.
0: I think the real question is, Tim Corbin was right here in our backyard. Did you get some practice tips from him?
1: I didn't, Jimmer, but I did after the Saturday game, uh, NC State Vanderbilt game, I saw Coach Corbin, and I said, hey, Coach Corbin, win every practice. <laughs> I don't think he got it. but uh, oh, too
0: bad.
1: He's focused, and that was after a win, but he was very focused, and – uh But Vanderbilt, uh, a gritty, gutty season coming back from 7-15. and But they did finish in a regional, but they lost in a regional. Uh, We are here to talk about the 16 teams still standing in super regionals. Obviously, uh, we both attended the Vanderbilt NC State regional. But, Jim, you carried the torch there. I was at the North Carolina regional some. We had interns there. We had Mike LaMere in Palo Alto. We had Aaron Fit in UCLA. Aaron, we had regionals scattered, smothered, and covered.
2: Nice Waffle House reference. Look at you. Okay. Um, yes, uh, yes, we did. It was a lot of fun uh, out here. I think the the story was was the Bruins really dominant. And this is a nice segue, John. You set me up nicely for this. The Bruins uh, really took care of business. You know, looked really good out here in Los Angeles. And brings us to our first Super Regional matchup: UCLA against TCU.
1: Is that, that that's where that's the first one that starts off on uh, on Friday? Uh, we have the Friday through Sunday: UCLA, TCU, Stanford, Florida State, St. John's, Arizona, Stony Brook, LSU. Um see I was gonna to try to tee you up with Stony Brook L S U here and but we could we could go over over the segue of UCLA and TCU. You were at uh, Westwood. Uh the Bruins I guess you could say they dominated that, that uh regional. Really were they ever threatened in that regional?
2: Not really. No. I mean, you know, the the, the first game that they played against Creighton and Ty Block was, was competitive. I mean certainly I think it was a, a three nothing game, um and and you know, Tie Block uh, kept Creighton in that in that thing, but you know UCLA got dominating starting pitching from uh, Adam Plutko and Nick Enterteig, and that's not really been the story of their season. I mean, those two guys were both at their best, their very best in this regional, which uh, which you know kind of elevated UCLA's entire stock really. I mean, um, you know that's if they if they pitch like that, nobody's going to beat them because they're so good. Uh, in the lineup, you know, they, they really, they hit this weekend as well. Um, You know, they're, they're so patient and they they drive the gap so well. They're very athletic. They play great defense. They've got a really good bullpen. Uh, The one thing that we hadn't seen was that kind of pitching from, from Vander Teig especially. I mean, that was the best he's ever been. You know, he took a no hitter into the eighth inning against a really good offensive team in New Mexico. So uh, I thought UCLA was, was really firing on all cylinders, this past weekend, and uh, you know, I think they're probably a heavy favorite this week. But you know, TCU is, is, is entering this thing with uh, with a lot of confidence. They're looking a lot more like the team we thought they'd be in the preseason than when they were. I think they're preseason number 15, and we, we graded that offense as a as a 70 in the 2080 scale. And it hasn't been that. You know, all season long, they have not been a very good offensive team. A lot of that was because of injuries, but now they're starting to swing the bats, and you've got. You know, Kevin Crone has become that force in the middle they hoped he would be as a freshman. Um, they lost Jason Coates, You know, one of their all-time great run producers at that school. He's out for the year now. Um, they lost him right before the postseason. But they, uh, you know, they're nonetheless. I think they're they're clicking. So this isn't going to be an easy matchup for UCLA. But uh, I do think the Bruins uh, are playing at such a high level that you have to you have to regard them as the favorites.
1: Yeah, and I think we do have to. The- Touch on that. How TCU is here now? TCU was a, a high, highly ranked team in the preseason, top twenty-five preseason team. Um, they, how many times did they end up playing Ole Miss this year? Five, <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but they, Texas A&M. I, I don't want to let this go. <laughs> I'm not trying to pick on you, because my winner of both of our winners of this bracket, Jim. Or I don't know. I don't know if you heard me and Aaron's picks.
0: I remember. But yeah.
1: I picked North Carolina to win this side of the bracket. Aaron picked Texas A&M. Both eliminated. <laughs> Aaron, what happened to the Texas Aggies this weekend?
2: Uh, they, they, it's a good question. I, I can't figure it out. I mean, they got a great start from Michael Waka. It uh, looked like they were in good shape, and then you know the second half of that dynamic duo, Ross Stripling, didn't pitch very well, um, and uh, against Ole Miss, you know, and and that, I think that was kind of a key for them is they needed both those guys to pitch very well. I mean that was why I picked A and M to to make a deep run is I really believed in those two guys. Um, and then Rafael Pineda hadn't really been himself down the stretch. Um, and he gave them a short outing um, in the elimination game. Uh, with the game, they got eliminated by TCU. They got pounded. So they just didn't, you know, the pitching let them down. Um, that's the biggest thing, if you ask me. You got to give TCU some credit, you know, because, the, again, their their offense has, has woken up at the right time. Um, and I thought, you know, TCU um, – their pitching staff, you know, isn't as good as the 2010 staff that got to Omaha, but now, you know, they've got they do have some depth, and they've got you know Preston Morrison, the the kind of side armor that uh, gets a lot of sink, and, and Justin Sharf. Those two guys really gave uh, Ole Miss some trouble. Uh, Sharf, especially out of the bullpen, he's he's the knuckle scraping submarine guy. Uh, you know, UCLA. Um, you know, you, I don't know how how used to to seeing guys like that they are. I mean, every, you know, a lot of teams have submariners, but it's still not a conventional look. And, and I think Sharf, you know, and and is um um Morrison as well. Both those guys offer something a little bit different. Uh, but Morrison won't be available to start the first game for TCU. Uh, they don't know what they're going to do. It could be Andrew Mitchell. It could be the left-hander Brandon Finnegan. Uh, if I'm if I'm TCU, I think I might start Finnegan in the opener. I think that gives you your best chance to beat UCLA with all those lefties. Uh, Finne- Finnegan's a quality left-hander with firm stuff. You know, it'll be low nineties and he's got a breaking ball and he competes. Um, you know, but as we saw last week, UCLA can beat good lefties. They beat Ty Block, who's who's a really good good one.
1: Aaron, I got to tell you, I'm. I'll be stunned if TCU goes into UCLA and wins a Super Regional. Uh, just UCLA has played so well, and it just felt like uh, you know, Ole Miss and TCU, yeah, TCU, what, what, they win a game against Dayton, what, 28-16 to 16 or something crazy like that? I mean, yeah. it just doesn't feel like teams that win games like that in regionals, I just don't see how that team's getting to Omaha. I know he's not a big part of their team, but I don't know if either of you guys saw Caleb Murphy today when he got drafted. It wasn't until the 33rd round. And he uh, went on Facebook and put that – he just put, like, horrible day, the worst. Like, that was his whole post. I mean, just – I give all kinds of credit to TCU for battling through all their injuries and the fact that they weren't the team that they thought they could be. And I wouldn't – I guess I wouldn't be shocked if they won a game. I just think UCLA is a prohibitive favorite here, Jim. Or do you do you think UCLA has it uh, gets threatened by the Horn Frogs here?
0: Uh, as well as they're playing, and as, as well as they've got the pitching going, and it's just it's too hard to pick pick against them. And I'll say as we you know good pitching beats good hitting, and that's and they're at home, and that's just um, it's hard to go against them.
1: Aaron, you're you're picking UCLA as well, I presume.
2: I am picking the Bruins. Yes, I, I really. You know, I've seen this team more than any other team this year. Um, I know I know how good they are. I just thought that they would have some trouble against Waka and Stripling, but they don't have to face Walker and Stripling. Um and uh you know, I think they're better than TCU, and I think they will win that super regional.
1: Now, Aaron, uh you don't have uh but you're not gonna see UCLA this weekend, correct? You're headed up to Eugene?
2: I am headed to Eugene.
1: It's the baseball America podcast. Enjoy yourself and Eugene, Aaron. But let's uh let's move on to the next uh, regional uh, we're gonna, we're working our way, I guess, up from the bottom on the Friday through Sunday regionals. I'm right, gonna stick with the West Coast theme here with Stanford. Stanford mm-hmm. going to Florida State, Aaron, and, uh, and Jim, I'll, uh, you know, obviously t- chime in here when you want to, but it, this feels like this should be the super regional with the most offense, Jim. I mean, Stanford and Florida State both score a lot of runs, and, uh, it's an offensive ballpark. Uh, who, who do you like here? First off, I'm gonna get your pick. First off, Florida State and Stanford.
0: I think I, you know, actually, I was leaning towards Florida State initially, and it is tough to pick against them at home. I mean, we've seen they've they're built to win at home. I don't think they've lost the home series all year, but I'm take You know, I'm I'm kind of feeling Stanford actually. I think, um you know, the way they're going, I think I'm I'm kind of I'm just kind of buying in right now.
1: I'm buying into Stanford too here, uh, Aaron. Uh, they they were challenged by a pretty plucky Pepperdine team. We. I think Pepperdine all year was kind of that kind of team, a team that usually beat the lesser teams, challenged the better teams, but in general just didn't quite have enough firepower to win series against the better competition. Uh, Meanwhile, Florida State rebounds nicely from a 0-3 showing in the ACC tournament. But they didn't get, uh, you know, they basically get here by beating Sanford twice. We all know I liked Sanford. Kudos to the Bulldogs for beating the other Bulldogs, Mississippi State. Was a very chic pick for a lot of people to pick Mississippi State to go down to Tallahassee and and win that regional. And Mississippi State didn't even get a shot at Florida State. Uh, you know, uh, personal cheese ball Brandon Miller and uh, somewhat personal cheese ball Saxon Butler. Although as a Greek, I don't think I can ever root for some root for somebody whose name is Saxon as an Anglo-Saxon. Hmm. I mean, come on, I'm rooting for uh, for uh, for somebody whose name is Saxon. But Saxon Butler with a big home run. Uh, Sanford's offense greater than Mississippi State's pitching in that uh, in that regional. Um, so, Florida State gets here by having to beat a Southern Conference team twice. Good Southern Conference team, but not even the Southern Conference regular season champion. Uh team that had not been to regionals in a long time, if ever, I believe, in Stanford. That might have been their first regional trip. So, first one. First one. First one. That's, uh, thanks for chiming in. So, to me, Aaron, uh, Florida State just down the stretch has been beatable. My only concern is that Stanford has Brett Mooneyham still scheduled to pitch in a weekend. <laughs> and Brett Mooneyham, that shotgun command that you talked about earlier in the year, that a scout told you about him, you could not get more an apt description for a player than shotgun command with Brett Mooneyham. Um, what would, and the reason, what was your takeaway, the real reason, quick, from the, their two regionals, and why would you pick? Why are you agreeing with me and Jim on Stanford as our pick?
2: Well, I, I am gonna, I am to stick with Stanford, but I, I, I will say that the, the reason I get concerned about this matchup is. Um, you know, is how patient Florida State is and how relentless they are offensively. And, you know, if you don't throw strikes, they eat you up. Um, and so I kind of think that, you know, Stanford's pitching still concerns me. I mean, it has all year long. And, and you know, I, I really believe in Appel, and I think he can go down there and win the opener. And I believe that they, Stanford has enough other arms to cobble together a win there with with. Between Mooneyham and, and Piscotti and Venegas and Sahil Bloom, who pitched well in the regional, um, you know, I think they've got enough, and I think they've got so much firepower in the lineup um, that uh, that I like their chances. But you know, that that's the thing that concerns me is, is is the fact that if you don't throw strikes, 4 State makes you pay. And I think this is a fascinating matchup between two teams. Um, on the mound especially that have much different styles you know I mean you've got the big arms the power arms at Stanford versus you know Florida State staff uh, that's a lot of movement you know it's guys that uh, are mid-80s and and throw strikes and uh, get ground balls and let their great infield do their work and um, you know, Florida State does have, I think, the best infield in college baseball. And earlier this year, you could have made a case that Stanford had it, but now they lost Lonnie Capola. And, um, you know, it's it's still a good infield, but, uh, you know, DeKroganer's shortstop isn't as good as Capola. Um, and you've got, uh, um, you know, I don't know. I just I, – I think that the Stanford team has so much talent that I think they, they can go down there, and I think that park will play well for them. But uh, it's, it's really close, you know. And, and um, I think Florida State – Certainly, certainly could win that regional,
1: and and very well might. I have a question for both of you guys. Jim, you can go first. Mark Appel, very publicized, fell down the draft mm-hmm. this week. Uh, you know, consideration for being first overall winds up going eight to the Pirates. He didn't exactly tumble. He's only eight spots. He's still still one of the top eight picks in the draft. Do you think that affects his mindset at all? He didn't talk to the media. He just issued a statement. What do you think, Jim? Or do you think that uh, affects Mark Appel's performance against Florida State?
0: I, it could, I mean, it could go either way. I would, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it puts a chip on his shoulder and wants to go out and, you know, show, you know, against a very a good offensive team on the road that, you know, hey, I should have, you know, I am the best best arm in the country. You should have, I should have been number one. But or does it, you know, maybe it messes with him. Maybe he goes out and just, you know, his mind is elsewhere and he, you know, as Aaron says, you know, as we all know, Aaron, I mean, uh, Florida State can. You know, you don't throw strikes, they're gonna beat you and maybe, you know, if he's if he's thinking about other things, then that, you know, could go in the could go south.
1: I mean, air we saw Carlos Rodon, arguably the best pitcher in the country this year, walk nine against Florida State in the game. I believe he still won that game. But he, he walked did, yeah. he he walked nine. I mean, like you said, they can wait out anybody. Which appell do you think? You think we'll see chip on his shoulder, Mark Appell? Or I wish I'd gone first overall, Mark Appell.
2: No, I think he's going to be really good. I mean, I think he's
1: been really good the entire
2: second half of the year, Um, and and I expect him to have a really big time performance. And that's the whole reason I'm really picking Stanford is I think Appel will get them that first game, and they'll find a way to win a second game.
1: I'm with you. I think Mark Appel. I think we see good Mark Appel. Uh, I think he has been better this year than everybody wants to admit. I don't know why. I don't know why people talk about how he has struggled. Maybe had a couple of starts there where he didn't dominate. he never really got knocked around, it didn't seem. I don't remember any starts where he got knocked out of the box in the first couple of innings. Um, And down the stretch, he's been outstanding. So I'm taking Stanford, and that's with all due respect to Florida State. Um, St. John's at Arizona is our next super regional matchup. That's not one that uh, we've heard before. That's because St. John's won its first regional since 1980. Meanwhile, Arizona, in the first year of taking over High Corbett Field, moving off campus, going to a bigger pro park uh, with – uh, selling beer and more amenities and all that stuff. I mean, now all of a sudden Arizona's drawing fans, and I think they're going to have great fan support this weekend. Uh, let's talk first about how these two teams got here. The Johnnies, St. John's, kind of a, almost a Chad Flack-like change of their destiny possibly here as a program. They get this walk-off home run by Danny Basset, the sophomore catcher, off Michael Moore in the North Carolina closer. Uh, you hate to pile on one person, and hey, North Carolina just didn't score enough runs. But Michael Moore with a nightmarish weekend. He gave up two home runs, one a game winner, one another one to, you know, to East Carolina. And then in his last outing, he pitched in all four games for North Carolina. He drops a bases loaded pop fly that could have ended in an inning, uh, gets up an extra run there. Uh, just nightmarish, uh, Jim. And uh, you know, St. John's, I guess, I think Eddie Blankmeyer put it best in his postgame. He said, uh, hey, North Carolina did not play its best but we brought our A game, we were better, and we deserve to move on.
0: They do, they do. and I think you know, kind of the, you know, with them winning a game like they did on Saturday where they won a game, Actually, it was started by Ken Emanuel, who pitched really well, but then they find a way to win beating Moran and just... You know, you just, that's just kind of thing that makes a team just believe that it can go a long way. And you win a game like that, and that's just does that's just going to do wonders for your confidence to make make you believe you can you can handle anything.
1: And Aaron, I think Mike Fox and the North Carolina staff are going to think about it all off season about whether or not they should have left in Kent Emanuel. He retired 15 of his last 16 batters he faced on that Saturday game, uh, the game they wind up losing. and He was only at 102 pitches, and even Coach Fox admitted. That maybe if the lead had been bigger, say if it had been a 5-2 game instead of 4-2, he might have started the ninth inning with Kent Emmanuel. That's going to be one that I know the North Carolina fan base is already chewing over and discussing. Um I've even had to talk about it on local radio here, which is amazing that local radio cared. Um, but I think, uh, and we have a closer like Michael Moran who saved, you know, what, 19 games this year as it turned out? Because he saved the East Carolina game on Sunday, the first game your yeah. uh, And he was untouchable the right.
0: week before in the ACC tournament. He
1: was untouchable. That's exactly right. Uh, five scoreless innings against NC State uh, in that classic game. Uh, Do you second-guess Mike Fox at all there uh, for bringing in more? And it doesn't seem like you really can, considering how good he'd been all year.
2: That's right. I mean, that's the way that they've won games all year with their bullpen. Um, and, you know there's no reason at all to believe that Michael Morton wouldn't get the job done there. I, I think you just tip your, your cap to Saint John's. I mean like like Eddie Blankmeyer said, you know, they they did bring their right A game. They found a way. They got the big hit. Um and uh, you know, I know they got some breaks in the, the next time they played North Carolina with some balls they just kinda found holes and um, you know, but they also didn't make the mistakes that North Carolina made in that game. And uh this Saint Johns team is so well coached and they uh you know, they they take on the the character of their head coach you know it's just a bunch of hard-nosed you know new york guys that just uh they just play the game the right way and and you know they they've answered their their defensive questions as as like meyer said earlier this year their their defensive problems early in the in the season have been eradicated um <laughs> you know they they Matt Wessinger has done a good job at shortstop. That was the biggest thing this team had to deal with this year was how to replace Joe Panic at shortstop. And, and Wessinger struggled early on, and since then he's been really good, and I think he was a pretty good draft pick yesterday. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the, this team is, is offensively, you know, they're not going to go out there and outslug Arizona. That's the thing. You know, Arizona plays um, so well at home. They—they, they, You know, that park... It, you know, the ball rockets off that turf. It's a really fast track, not turf, uh, grass. Uh, it's a really fast track, and, you know, the, it's hard, too. You'll get some of these high choppers that uh, um, that uh, will go for base hits often. Um, and, you know, St. John's needs to find a way to slow them down. And I don't think you win necessarily by getting a lot of ground balls at that place. I think you need to have some guys who can strike guys out. Um, which is, which they have. I mean, Kyle Hansen's a strikeout guy, and um, you know Matt Kier City can miss some bats certainly, and you know Sean Hagen's more of a, a of a pitchability lefty, but he's he's really good and competitive. I, I think St. John's has the talent on the mound to compete out there, but boy, Arizona is just really destroyed its regional. I mean, you know three good teams: Mexico State, Louisville, Missouri. Uh, they, they they butchered all those teams. You know they're really they're really playing at a, at a very high level. I think Arizona's Pretty ordinary on the mound after Kurt Heyer. I really, you know, I'm not in love with their pitching staff, but uh, I think St. John's is better on the mound. But I just don't. I just think it's hard to win a two-to-one game at that ballpark.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can do it here. And I think you hit the nail on the head. If this were a neutral-site matchup, I think St. John's would really have a, a great shot. Or if this were played in Boshamer Stadium, uh, one thing that St. John's talked about uh, after the game was their comfort level at the Bosch. They play in North Carolina every year. It used to be weekend series. Now it's usually a midweek when they come down and play other teams. But, you know, like Stony Brook and St. John's don't even play. And Matt Sink, the coach of Stony Brook, told me, well, it's just impossible to get on St. John's uh, schedule because they've played the same teams every year. And they've played the same non-conference schedule for years and years. And that comfort level was there for St. John's at North Carolina because all those players have played there. And they were respectful of North Carolina's talent and track record, but they weren't intimidated. But they're going to go out there, and like you talked about the fast track. Uh, I was talking to Ryan Garko for a story this year on Stanford Hitters, and Garko talks about how much as a hitter he missed hitting in Arizona, um, how much he loved anywhere in Arizona because the infields were all so fast because they're all just baked in the sun all the time and so hot and fast. and It just speeds the game up. You look at at Arizona's stats, Johnny Field, seven triples, Alex Mejia, six. Seth has breen four. Bobby Brown, seven. Robert Refsneider, four. The ball just gets in those gaps, and it just takes off. And I just feel like yeah. the speed of the game, the home setting. Uh, I do. I like St. John's bullpen. We saw all three, of their, I guess I see all three of their guys on Sunday, and I love the way that Kilpatrick battled. Uh, is it Lomagino? Is that the guy's name? Uh, yeah,
2: Lomagino. Yeah,
1: he he was outstanding. Moment of truth. Loved the way that they deployed him. And Steven Rivera, I believe, is the other senior right-hander. Yep. He was outstanding. So had, they got the, you they got, you got the six guys you need, Aaron. You want six guys at St. John's pitching-wise to go win a Super Regional and uh, to win an Omaha. You need six pitchers to trust. They've got it. They've got offense. They've got belief. So I think that Arizona is a really bad matchup. So I think I think with the right matchup, I think St. John's would be a very dangerous team and a legit Omaha threat. I just yep. don't think that matchup – uh, works out for the Johnnies. What are you picking here, uh, Jim Schoener? I'm
0: taking Arizona. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kurt Heyer, and I just, they just dominated that regional so thoroughly.
1: Yeah, they another Big
0: East team at that in Louisville, and great point. Just, I mean, they're just it, like, I mean, all those things you talked about. They're just, it's just tough to go against them out there.
1: That, a Louisville team, Aaron, with more arms, better pitching, really than than St. John's, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, th- that's true. I mean, I-, I think St. John's has good pitching.
2: I think Louisville has even better pitching. Um, and, uh, you know, I just love Arizona's lineup. That's why we had this team as a preseason top five team. That's right. And, you know, it's be- all because of the lineup. You know, the- all those guys you mentioned, Mejia, who was the Pac-12 player of the year, a guy who just does every little thing to win. He's he's exciting. He's flashy. He plays great defense. You know, him and, him and Mejia's Breen on the left side of the infield, um, you know, are, are-, are very – good players that that work very well together. They've been playing together. All these guys have been playing together since they were freshmen. I mean, this was a young team two years ago that uh you know got a lot of experience early on um you know and you you got uh, uh Joey Rickard out there and that's another thing you really need in this ballpark is, is speed in the outfield because the gaps are so big and they've got it with Joey Rickard um you know Robert russnider covers a bunch of ground Johnny Field out there covers a lot of ground you've got all those guys those top 5 hitters are all very dangerous they're all you know number number 3 kind of hitters in a lineup you know and and you got five of them and then you got a, a good lefty with with Bobby Brown so um, I just think Arizona's too offensive, too athletic, and and too good at home. So I am going to pick the Wildcats. It's
1: a Baseball America podcast with John, Jim, and Aaron. And, Aaron, we should all just be bowing down. You, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. You went out on a limb. You picked the number four seed to win a regional. And Stony Brook, uh, in the words of uh, Captain Picard, made it so. Stony Brook goes it- down to Coral Gables wins the, Miami, the Coral Gables regional, beats, destroys, dismantles Miami, and then a uh, very exciting uh, you know, conclusion as they have to battle back. And Tyler Johnson, their ace, on two days rest, uh, battles to an early deficit, and then the offense ignites, and they beat Central Florida 9-5, I think was the final score in the final game. Whatever it was, Stony Brook advances, first America East team to win a regional since 1991, I believe it was um and they advanced to play LSU just tell tell us a little bit about how uh uh just uh, the the smugness that you must feel over picking Stony Brook and being right about that
2: I feel a little bit smug a little bit but uh you know hey that, that said John I have to acknowledge uh that you beat me in the first round I mean I think you had you had 13 out of 16 regionals picked correctly uh, including all eight on the left side of the bracket which which the left side of the bracket ate me up uh, so I, I tip my cap to you, Thank sir, you. because uh, you uh, you won the you won the war. I might have won the, the Stony Brook battle, but you won the war.
1: I think you get in the RPI uh, formulations. I think you get bonus points for <laughs> for picking a four seed to go in on the road. That's uh, that's pretty good stuff. How did they do it? I mean, it seems like they just did it because Coach Sink wouldn't admit to this today. But to me, it just felt like if they weren't the most talented team there they were on an even level with all the teams there and all four clubs there and had some strengths and weaknesses there i almost feel like miami was the fourth best team there
2: yeah and and coming into this thing last week i kind of felt like um you know i was going to pick anybody but miami in that regional um because i felt like miami was was it's just you know, we've been over. I don't want to kick Miami while well it's down, but this wasn't a very, it wasn't a great Miami team. And it, it was know.
1: it was the worst team in the Jim Morris era. Jim Morris' first year, 1994, Omaha, they went to Omaha six straight years, his first six seasons there. It's the first time Miami has gone to regionals. They've gone 0-2 since 1993 when Brad Kelly was the coach. And yeah. what got Brad Kelly, the coach at that, that time, fired besides going 0-2 in regionals But on their way back from going 0-2 in regionals. He bought a player a drink at the airport bar on their flight back from wherever the regionals were. I mean, that's one of my all-time favorite stories in the in the Baseball America uh, <laughs> archives. Um, so he was fired by the university. Smart move. That was a guy who replaced Ron Frazier. So they brought in Brad Kelly. It hadn't worked out it. in that first year. They bring in Jim Morris, and the U has been a tremendous power in two national championships. Feels like they need to change some things at the U. and They might have a big recruiting class this year. We'll see how things shake out with who signs and who doesn't with the draft. Um, but let's focus on, on the Brook. Winning at Miami against a, a team that was not a vintage Miami team, being a good but not great, certainly flawed on the mound, Central Florida team, and a good but not great, tremendous on the mound, but flawed offensively, Missouri State team. That's one thing. Going into the belly of the beast <laughs> to Alex Box Stadium. LSU, which yeah. has more tradition than Miami has, more national titles, bigger, f- bigger, better, louder fans, the best fans in college baseball for my money. No can, doubt. Can Stony Brook go down there and, and, and get it done?
2: Can they? Um, you know, I mean, it could happen. Uh, but, you know, look, I want to acknowledge a couple of things. First of all, Stony Brook has a better offense than LSU has. And, you know, that sounds probably crazy to anyone who's just a casual college baseball fan. Uh, you think of LSU as a big, powerful outfit, and they're not this year. It's a pitching and defense outfit that we've been saying it all year long. Stony Brook has a really explosive offensive ball club, and they went down there to that regional and played five games uh, against you know, Missouri State, which leads the nation in ERA. Miami ranks in the top 20 in ERA. UCF had his best pitching staff in years, flawed as they were in the mound. They were in the top 40 in ERA nationally. He's a three-point-something ERA. Sunnybrook averaged ten runs a game in those five games. I mean, that's how they won that regional. Is they just they just bludgeoned everybody. And it's uh, you know it's it's speed, it's power, it's depth in that lineup. Um, they play great defense. You know they, they this is a team that has veterans all over the place. We've talked about how much it matters, um, you know, to have veterans, but. Uh, uh, this is, you know, this is a complete Stony Brook team. The one thing that they don't have is power arms in the mound. They only have one guy really who's a power arm, and that's James Campbell in the bullpen. He'll get up to 93, or 94. Um, but they, they have, other than that, it's a bunch of these kind of, you know, 85 to 88 kind of um, sinker type guys. You know, they're all the same really. They're all very in the same kind of mold. They throw strikes. They really compete. They don't overpower. I think they could compete with LSU with that formula because, um, you know, again, I don't think LSU has has a really scary offense. I think those guys are good enough to keep LSU's offense in check, uh, especially since LSU is really a predominantly right-handed hitting team and Stony Brook has mostly right-handed pitchers uh, that they rely upon. So the matchups work out okay. The question is, well, there's two questions. Can Stony Brook hit LSU's pitching? LSU has elite pitching. You know, this is a better pitching staff, even though the numbers don't say it. Necessarily that they're better than Missouri State, but this is a better pitching staff than, than they've seen uh, with Kevin Gossman and Aaron Nola and you know all those guys. The bullpen we've talked about those guys, uh, but the bigger issue is Alex Box for me. I think that's the, the number one thing here. You're going down to Baton Rouge. None of these guys have played in front of 10,000 screaming Cajun fans before. I, I can promise you that. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think they're going to be. You know. I, I don't think they're going to be. I don't think going to wilt necessarily. Um, I think this is a tough team. I do think they're 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 experienced and veteran, but when you get in a, in a late game situation, you know, and 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 that that park is going nuts. It's hard to deal with that.
1: I think it's going to be too much, Aaron. I think I I I love your faith in the Brook. I also love your explanation because it's legit. They are legitimately talented and kind of dynamic offensively, really, in a way that, yeah. that LSU is not, where Jacoby Jones is a 250 hitter, has 11 stolen bases to lead the team, uh, Jimmer. Uh, we're talking about a team in, in, in LSU that will strike out. Uh, they do draw some off, they, you know, Offensively, it's a pretty ordinary club that really kind of has to have four, five, six hits in a row to score, uh, to put up crooked numbers, because they don't have a ton of power. Ray Frimes is is slumping. I mean, he's still hitting 452. but this guy three weeks ago was hitting 496, whatever it was. So, it really, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on LSU uh, to pitch. And Ryan Eads, as Aaron has noted on previous podcasts, is struggling a little bit. I think if it weren't for the the Intimidator, the big billboard in right field, and if it weren't for, they still have the Intimidator, don't they, Aaron? Yeah, oh yeah. If it weren't for the Intimidator... And the intimidation of the fans, I'd be tempted to pick Stony Brook. I mean, just in terms of if you're picking players off these two teams, you might pick more Stony Brook players out of the first ten players than LSU players. But I'm picking LSU because of Gossman, Nola, both Nolas, I should say, and, yeah. and the fans. Yeah.
0: Where do you where I, do you th- where do you stand, Jim? I mean, I agree. I, I just I mean, Stony Brooks I don't remember I don't know who they played, you know, early in the year. when I'm sure they probably played a lot of teams in the South and all, but you know, just have they seen any arms of that caliber of, of that they'll that they'll see this w- this weekend? And also, I mean, I I watched. I think it was must have been the Sunday night game they played against Oregon State. Where I mean, Oregon State had a a one run lead in the ninth inning, trying to send it to a Monday. You know, not close out the region, we'll send it to a Monday game, and you just you can just feel it. Just you can just through the TV that LSU, LSU just doesn't believe it's going to lose. <laughs> Everyone, it's at home, and they don't panic at just, home. Yeah, and it's just it. I mean, it's I mean, I saw, I mean, I saw two years ago, I saw Stony Brook at a a regional in Myrtle Beach um, when I was down there covering that one. And they played, it was, uh, they played Coastal Carolina twice. And they were, you could see, and they won a game against uh, NC State in that regional. I think that was the first ever regional game they'd won. That was all, that was, um, that game was kind of uh, Tyler Johnson's coming out party. I think he was a freshman then, but, um, I mean, you could see the the athleticism was there, and they had like Willie Carmona played in that series. Uh, Max Tissenbaum was there, met, was in there, made some nice plays. Jan uh, Jankowski was on that team, but didn't play much. But um, you could kind of see that it was there for them to be. The tools were there for them to be good. It was just whether they would ever have the depth. And they ended up, you know, that weekend they ended up uh, they won they they won one game, but then they ended up getting uh, blown out the next day. And so you just wonder if a team, if a Northern team can have the depth to be competitive. For a whole weekend against teams of the caliber they saw this past weekend, which they did, but now going to an SEC team is just it is that's, a, that's a tough, that's a tall order. That's
1: the, that's the bottom line. I didn't include that in my column, uh, Aaron, that I finished today, and maybe I should have. Uh, so I want to make two points. First, maybe I should have said, of course, both Northeast teams won regionals at ACC teams. Mm-hmm. When, when maybe when maybe when teams. From the northeast, go to SEC schools, and when regionals at an SEC school, then they'll be for real. It is different. As let's just face it; it's different. Even though North Carolina was 44 and 14, has been in Omaha five of the last six years. It's different, Jimmer.
0: ACC two for five hosts hosts winning.
1: Not
2: not group. good, but they but they did but they did win a head to head
0: with, they did with win Vanderbilt and
1: NC the the State. SEC. They did. They um, did NC State against Vanderbilt. They did that. that that's crucial. Second point, and, I want to well,
2: look at Georgia the Texas and and Florida, so it's yes, right, and and that's the other thing is hey, you know, if you look at these other areas where these guys went head to head, I mean, Florida State didn't even get to play Mississippi State, but they had an SEC team in their regional, the SEC champion in their regional, and and the ACC team won that one too. So, uh, you know, Arkansas did not have an ACC team in its regional, uh, and LSU didn't either. So, two of your four SEC teams got there without having to play an ACC team either.
1: That's a good point. That's true. That's a good point. Um, the other thing I want to throw in there is. Jimmer's the third guy on our bench for college baseball after Aaron and me, and that was just some deep, deep cut knowledge on Sony Brook right there, Jimmer. I mean, I know you have it in you, but I was even I'm sitting here impressed. That was awesome. That was an awesome. Jim, that was an awesome. If, if anyone, fact- if any
2: of our listeners, I'm sorry, John, interrupt, but if any of our listeners haven't been reading Jim's stuff in the postseason over the last three years, they're missing out. Because his, you know, Jim's analysis, uh, especially from the regional this weekend, I thought was really, really insightful. And, you know, it's uh, hey, baseball America, we attract the, the best and the brightest in, in, the, in the game of baseball. And I think I think Jim's a testament to that.
1: I, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, I'm just wondering, like, what have I been waiting for so long to put you on the podcast? But that was awesome. That was just a deep dive on Max Tissenbaum from the number three guy on our bench. I want to see anybody, any other publication of the country do that. That's awesome. So. He's Max Tissenbaum. Hey. Can I can
2: I piggyback to, can I piggyback on a point you made? You guys made a couple minutes ago, and that's you know you're talking about if you were picking players from these two teams, you might take more from Stony Brook. Hey, LSU had had five players drafted. Okay, three of them in the in the top six rounds, Gosman, Nola, and Goody. Another two are after the thirtieth round. Um, you know, Stony Brook, John, had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players drafted. Wow. Uh, a supplemental first-rounder, a third-rounder, two more guys uh, in the 11th round, another in the 12th. I mean, you know, you've got more players drafted out of Stony Brook than you have out of LSU. So I'm just saying the talent level here, it's, you know, it's a lot closer than people in the SEC are going to give Stony Brook credit for. Um, All that said, I'm picking LSU for all the reasons we've talked about, but uh, I'm I'm extremely compelled by this super-regional matchup.
1: I think the main thing that keeps me from doing it, Aaron, is that last year we picked UConn to win at South Carolina, And UConn was the more talented team. But the the fans at Carolina Stadium did not allow that to happen. And plus, Mm. neither do the South Carolina players. Let's not take anything away from those players are really good players. And they feed off those fans. I think it's very similar with LSU. So Stony Brook, they may not have George Springer and Matt Barnes and the high-profile two first-round picks, premium guys like UConn had, but they're dangerous. And I think Palmineri knows it. So, I think that's going to be a very competitive super regional, but I'm picking the Tigers. This is the Baseball America podcast with John, Jim, and Aaron. And this is just, uh, this is why I love doing the podcast. It's just so much fun. Let's go to the other side of the bracket. And Aaron, I'm working off your draft blog post, not your your college blog post. So the Saturday through Monday, uh, side, I'm working down that one. We've got NC State at Florida, Arkansas at Baylor, Oklahoma at South CAC, Kent State at, uh, Oregon. So let's start off with NC State at Florida. And this should be a dynamite uh regional. We've got Brett Phillips, the NC State uh, recruit who's uh, from right around there. I'm sure he'll be there. Getting re-recruited, he was a six-round pick. Didn't go as high as I thought he would. I still think high school guys that got drafted in the first ten rounds are, are going to sign. But uh NC State, with really Aaron, I think this is uh, – we'll go to Jim in a minute because he was there for every game. But I from afar, Aaron, was this the most compelling regional because of the thrilling, the tight games and the thrilling three games that NC State played against Vanderbilt? Yeah, I
2: think it was. That would get my vote. Um, I think you know South Carolina and Clemson would be uh, a close second, just because of the rivalry factor and yeah. the fact that they played the first games between South Carolina and Clemson was ridiculous. I,
1: think was, I don't know if you I think watched that, that, was, that game. That 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 in the 21-inning game, the Kentucky-Purdue yeah. game, those are the two best were the two best games of regionals. Um, the most notable games, but so I think NC State-Vanderbilt as a three-game set was the best series of games
2: exactly and that was you know the to have the comebacks between those two teams uh, you know, I, the fact that both those teams showed so much toughness and resilience repeatedly. I mean, you know, state was in control in that first game. You know, as Jim as Jim noted in, in, on the college blog, and you know, had Kyle Sardan on the mound, and then to you know to, to blow that lead in the last two innings, but then to fight back through the losers bracket, get another crack at Vanderbilt, blow another lead, but somehow bounce back and hold on to that game, and then have to come from behind in the third game. I mean, it's just a you know both those teams. It was just a heavyweight battle between. Uh, two clubs that didn't want to lose and were going to do everything they possibly could uh, to, to win.
1: Jim, uh, the, 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 all three of those games had different characters, different heroes. I don't know if you could even pick a hero, but I, I will say, was there absolutely any way that you thought that NC State would win a regional with Trey Turner stealing one base in the last inning of the whole series mm-hmm. and... With Carlos Rodon not getting a win, with State losing the game that he started,
0: that's it right there. I mean, I think you guys talked about this in the podcast last week, or maybe you know just you and and I, John, talking about it uh, just around the office. But the whole the way that the way that regional set up for NC State was the advantage for them was they got a soft four seed in Sacred Heart, so they could save Rodon for Saturday, and if you can win that game, then you hope you you know then you got Ethan Ogburn on Sunday, and he's you know, reliable enough to you know, and and you, and you can back him up with uh, Anthony Zamsis and Logan Jernigan. You can find one of those guys. You find a way to get another win out of one of those guys, and then you can you can win the regional. And to lose Rodon's start, just said that going in. There's just no way that they can win that regional without winning Carlos Rodon's start. And, especially and in the and manner t- with you, which you they Yeah, and then you add in the way that they lost it. Unreal. I mean, and you. But then we could the way they responded in the, that Sunday afternoon game against uh, UNC Wilmington, they just come out and just bludgeoned the ball. And you could see that they were, you know, they weren't hanging their heads. They were going to go in, and they still felt like they had a chance. But then you just had to, you know, could they get a good start out of Anthony Zamsis, which they did, good enough. He ended up giving up five, run, five runs, I think, in the end. But he was good for five innings, which is, you know, and he did he not pitch very well down the stretch. So he gave them a good enough start. And then... So on Monday, they just, they fall behind, and Tyler Beatty's just dominating them, but they hang around long enough, they eventually get Beattie out of the game, and they they just keep, they just kept grinding it out, and, you know, I think, I mean, we've seen it all year, that NC State is a very, they're really good at home, right? <laughs> for one right. thing, and they just, you know, I, I, I kind of go, you know, not to spend too much time on, on the Wolfpack, but he. You know, I go back to that series that, and you were there for this one when they played Virginia. And They had a Sunday game where they, it was a back and forth game all afternoon. They ended up winning in the bottom of the ninth. Yep. And it just, you know, that that was the kind of game that, and it's kind of like what uh, we mentioned with the uh, St. John's uh, North Carolina game, where you they win a game like that, pulling it out in the bottom of the ninth, and that's just the, at the time I thought that was a kind of win that. Makes a team believe it can do something.
1: Especially with a team that has, that, when you lose a lead. And like they're, and they have,
0: they had. They had blown a lead in the it, top of the ninth inning of that that's game. It.
1: That's it. They, they had two teams in a 1-1 series. Could have gone either way. And if so they had a lead on Sunday, Logan Jernigan pitched well in that game, if memory serves. But the bullpen blew the lead. but They came back and won that game, and that was, That toughness factor we've seen all year with NC State. That's something
0: Ellie Davin talks about a lot with this team. Right, and he he talked about it again
1: on Monday, and they are battle-tested, Aaron. And the other thing to me that NC State found this weekend was a moment of truth relief pitcher. And I don't know if he can replicate it, but Ryan Wilkins was awesome this weekend. I only saw him on Saturday when he got a couple of outs, and NC State was piecing it together. But Sunday and Monday, he threw six and two-thirds innings against v- Vanderbilt. Four and two-thirds in the last game. He was unhittable. Six strikeouts and four and two-thirds innings on Monday. NC State now has some trust in Zampsis again. Vance Williams, who pitched well against Sacred Heart, went deep. And he can
0: go back to being their long
1: guy, which right. is what he's been. He's a vital swing guy. So there's two. Ogburn, you trust. Rodon is like basically two men of, of, in and of himself, hmm. and they just got to find one other dude in that bullpen. Now have their sixth. Right now they're basically at five. Their offense and is, I on, think- is on fire. They are an extremely dangerous. And I would say, with the exception of that one more pitcher, they're as complete as any team in this field. They just happen to be going to the most complete team in this field in, in, at Florida. Right.
2: Yeah, and you know, and I think D.J. Thomas too is another guy that's uh, yeah. a solid little option from the left side. And he is. you know, I, I'm like right right. you Travis mentioned Warwick Wilkins, too. Travis Orwig. Sure, I mean, they've got some depth of guys. It's just a, to me that the key was starters that they could trust. And and you know, I think that as, as Jim talked about, and you guys have kind of broken it down. I mean, I feel like they've they've got enough pieces there that they you know they they can trust those guys. And and you know, I I think Ryan Wilkins to me is is a key. Um, you know, and I saw him in the ACC tournament and, and thought, ah, I thought this guy looked pretty good. You know, he did a good job kind of pitching in on, on lefties with the fastball and, and, you know, really expanding the zone, uh, with the slider against right-handed hitters. And, you know, it just seemed like he's, he's pitching with some confidence right now. And, uh, you know, that's a, it's a very important development. But this, the, the thing about this is they didn't have to use Redon twice. You know, like some teams have to, you know, bring their throw their ace on Friday, bring him back on Monday, and that kind of screws them up for Super Regionals. NC State threw Redon on Saturday. That's it. So now he's, you know, basically fully rested uh, for, for Florida. And that, to me, is a huge factor because Redon can beat Florida. I mean, he can beat anyone. He's as good a pitcher as there is in the country. Um now, will he beat Florida? I don't know, because uh, Florida is, is peaking, man. They're, they're so dangerous. They're so complete. You're, you're right, John. I mean, that's the, that's the problem for NC State is they're going on the road against the team that is the most complete team in college baseball. They look now finally like Florida, that we expected them to look like, I think. And they, that's how they dominated that, that regional. They got a no-hitter from the number three or four starter. Um, you know, Really, he's the number three starter now, Crawford. I think he's past Carson Witts, I think we can just say that. Yep. Um, but uh, you know their offense played well. They shut down a Georgia Tech offense that had been on fire. Um, you know their bullpen is so good. I mean, it is more trustworthy than State's bullpen. We we like the fact that State's bullpen is, has taken steps forward. But it's not Paco Rodriguez and and Austin Maddox and Greg Larson. No, and, you, you know, know Others others if they need them. After you know, all, I
0: mean they've got on other Saturday guys. Saturday we were bemoaning State's bullpen. <laughs> That's, right. That's they, right. they blew right. the five run lead, <laughs> so it's a great not point, a sure Jim. thing it's a yet. Great point. Yeah,
1: I mean it's it's, it's it's nowhere close. Florida's bullpen. Now that North Carolina's out of it, I mean there's some other good bullpens in this series in this uh, postseason. I mean South Carolina still has Matt Price. I mean I know he's not been as good as Matt Price was last year, but they still have Matt Price. Arkansas has incredible bullpen depth. Yep. But, uh, LSU. LSU with Nick Nick Goody and great depth. They've, they have mix and yep. match, and they have shutdown closer. But I'll take Florida's bullpen over all of them. Me too. Yep. So I, I think that is a huge advantage for them. I will say, you know, Florida's uh, McKeithen Stadium is pretty cozy, and NC State's got some pop. And the one thing NC State has is some depth on their bench. Um, you know, when you can go to a pinch hitter in Terrence Sanay, who was a regular, lost his job, but he was second on NC State's team in home runs to Ryan Matthews coming into the regional, and he gives you a two for two with five RBIs. You could, you, you have, the mix and match ability in left field with a guy like Rutledge Logan Rattledge, I should say' kind mm-hmm. gotten his name wrong all year you can uh, you can mix and match with Logan Rattledge at second base or left field Matt berquist the the junior second baseman, who's a veteran, uh, had some big hits again for them on on Sunday in the game against Vanderbilt. State has depth where they can have a lefty bat like Sene or a veteran like John Janice, who's been a, sometime started there to have lefty bats on the bench they can use they have righty bats. That's a team that has a little bit more depth in terms of bats than most teams have. Um, Brett Austin's starting to hit a little bit. Had three good at-bats, it sounds like, against uh, uh, Taylor Beattie. He did, he did. He battled. The the matchups of the highest unsigned pitcher and player from last year's draft who (laughs) were in college baseball, which was an awesome part of your story. So Austin's coming along. you got a guy in Jake Fincher, personal cheese ball, down at the bottom of the lineup. State's lineup is deep. But I think Florida, as they've gotten a little bit healthier, Aaron, their lineup's gotten deeper, and, and they were just explosive offensively this weekend.
2: And that's what they're supposed to be, you know. And, and it's uh, all year long; they, they've been playing for June. You know, they're, these guys are they're older, and and you know the coaching staff. They we've talked about it before how how they. Uh, they built the whole thing toward winning the national championship. That's what they're in it for. Uh, anything short of that will be a disappointment for Florida, you know, and and, uh, and I just feel like they're playing with so much confidence. And Zanino's gotten hot again. You know, he went through a little bit of a, a lull, I think, in the middle of the season, but now he's, you know, he's, it seems like he's had a power surge here down the stretch. He's up to 18 home runs. Um, you know, I think with him and, and Tucker and Johnson and, you know, Ramjit, they're all quality guys. You had to mention Ramjit. You don't have to slip that in there. Um, <laughs> you know, Nolan Fontana, I mean, it's just a – Florida is the best team in the country, and uh, you know I think this is a tough matchup because I think NC State is really good, extremely exciting, one of the most exciting teams in, in college baseball. Um, period. You know, I mean, they might be the most exciting team with with Turner because you got, at my opinion, you've got the most exciting player in college baseball in Trey Turner. The two of them. And you've got the most exciting pitcher with Carlos Radon. Yep. I mean, this team is thrilling to watch, which has change. I mean, hey, we've we've bemoaned NC State in the past for their games took forever. And, you know, they, just, they weren't that exciting to watch in past years. But this team is fun to watch. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun, super regional to watch.
1: Yeah, their athleticism is a separator. Um, and I'm, I, I think we're lucky. You're missing out, Fitzy. But in the triangle area, Jimmer and I are lucky. The next couple of years are going to be special for college baseball yeah. with as young as North Carolina's team is and as young as NC State's team is. Those teams are loaded with impact freshmen and sophomores. Loaded. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very much fun. That rivalry, especially if NC State goes to Omaha this year, that rivalry has gone up a notch, and what, this area needs to acknowledge it.
2: What they need to do out there is start playing that thing in neutral sites all around the state. You know, I mean, they got ten thousand people for that game in Greensboro. Um, that was a great you know, point. Tournament. I mean. It was an incredible atmosphere. Play the thing in Asheville. Play it in Wilmington. You know, played in Charlotte. Play it all over the place, like like Clemson and South Carolina do with Greenville and 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 uh, you know, great like they did this year down in down in uh, Charleston. You know, I think you I think that's a great way to grow college baseball in the state of North
1: Carolina. I think I just love the idea of playing in Greensboro. You know, that's a neutral that's a yeah. neutral site, sure. the home of the ACC. Make it so, Eric Phillips not Eric Phillips, Steve Phillips and uh, John Swafford. The Baseball America podcast with John, Jim, and Aaron. We gotta speed up here a little bit. Let's go Arkansas at Baylor. Uh Arkansas upset winner, not for me, but upset winner at Reckling Park. They go in there and and uh Conference USA whimper. Uh no Conference USA team uh wins a regional, unless I'm crazy, right? No conference USA team.
0: Oh yeah, all no. four.
1: And uh at Baylor and the Baylor Bears, Aaron, we've talked about this all year. Baylor, this is just not your this is not your uh, older brother's Baylor Bears. This is a tough That's team. Right. This is a battle-tested team. This is a grinder team. This is not a pretty boy team. There's nary a Boris Corporation client on the team. This used to be a haven for Boris Corporation clients. Now Baylor is a team of gritty, gutty, non-high draft jokers. And uh, Arkansas is kind of like the, the – I know Arkansas fancies itself as a gritty, gr- gutty team, but – they're kind of a team with like five or six stars, and then everybody else kind of is a grinder. Uh, I see Baylor's offense versus Arkansas's pitching and defense in this series. Is that how the matchup goes for you?
2: Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good breakdown. I mean, I think Arkansas is, is the more talented team. You're right. I think you you put it properly. I mean, Baylor is one of those some is greater than the parts teams. You know, they're uh you know as as, as, the, as we're having our Super Regional scouting report this week. You know, the, the the coach who broke them down said, Hey, they're they're solid average offensively, they're solid average defensively, they're solid average on the mound. That's what they are. They're just uh, you know, they don't blow you away in any facet. But uh there's some teams like that. You know, Oregon could be described similarly, I think. Uh, but you know, Baylor's of course a lot more offensive than Oregon is. I'm not trying to say that they're, you know, necessarily the same kind of teams, but the the point is that they don't they don't overwhelm you with talent. Um but I do think that, you know, Baylor's got some guys that uh, do scare you. I mean, Josh Ludy has become such a good player as a senior. He's, he's been a solid player behind the plate for them before, but you know, they kind of thought that the key to their season was going to be somebody to come in and kind of help protect Max Muncy. They needed, they needed somebody to step forward and ludy has been the guy. He's really got power. He uses the whole field. Um, you know, he's, you got a right-handed slugger with Ludy. You got a left-handed slugger with Muncy. I think Logan Vick is a pretty dynamic player for them. Um, with some speed and uh, you know some uh, good job using the gaps, uh, some patience at the plate. This team draws a lot of walks, so you got to throw strikes. Um, but uh, you know it's it's the uh, on the mound. You know Baylor, as we've talked about before, uh, you know they're just they're just average arms. You know and and that's the big difference between these two teams. It, Arkansas has big arms. Uh, certainly Ryan Stanek is the headliner, and Ryan Stanek was at his very best against Rice. We we thought coming into the into the postseason that Stanek. Uh, was one of the biggest X factors in the whole tournament because you know if they were to play Rice in the winners bracket game on Saturday, which they ended up doing, um, they were going to have Stanek in that game, and and if he was if he was if he pitched like he was capable of pitching, nobody was going to beat him, and they would beat Rice and win that regional, and and that's what happened. You know he really came correct for them, uh, and you still got Baxendale as the Friday guy who. He's returned to form, you know, like he was a year ago. Um, he's so competitive. You know, he's, he's, he might be the most competitive guy in the country. I, mean, I had a, a coach say that in our super Regional breakdown. Um, but, uh, you know, they've got so much depth behind those guys, too. I mean, righties and lefties. I mean, Sandburn and Suggs are both going to run it up there to the mid 90s or better in Sandburn's case. Um, you know, you've got sinker ball guys. You've got different looks. I mean, the depth of this pitching staff is, is, is a separator uh, when I compare Arkansas and Baylor.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, like, it really just feels like, uh, and I have to be honest here, I didn't realize just how good Josh Lutie's numbers were. I mean, those are Mike Zanino-esque numbers. Uh, Not quite the power, but not far off. But uh, it really is going to be a matter of uh, how does Baylor hit power pitching? Has Baylor fared well against power pitching, or was it a team like Oklahoma that had power arms? Is that why they neutralized Baylor?
2: Mm, That's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, Oklahoma went... 5-0 Five and zero against Baylor. I think this it was
1: five and zero. Two wins in the Big Twelve tournament and three wins during the regular season. That's that, besides A and M.
2: That's the only team in that league that really has big arms. Um, that that does lead me to believe that you know this this matchup favors Arkansas. And the fact that Arkansas is not going to be intimidated going into Waco. I mean, you play in the SEC. You're used to playing in tough environments. Uh, you know they're going to have great crowds in Waco. But um, you know these are Arkansas has its share of veterans too. You know. with uh, Tim Carver, who's been around forever, and you know Matt Reynolds is an older guy, and um, you know Bo Bigham is another you know kind of stabilizer for them. They're so good up the middle uh, with Bigham and, and and Carver. I feel like Bo uh, Bigham
1: transferred to Arkansas from Nebraska with Dave Van Horn. That's how long it feels like he's been <laughs> at Arkansas. I mean, I know that's not literally yeah. true, but it just feels like he's been there as long as Van Horn has been there. It's like it's like he's Will Bolt, and he just like keeps on. she just went to the Dominican and changes, uh, got a new ID. And is now a uh, twenty eight year old Bo Bigum still playing college baseball. Nice. <laughs> if I could make it all Will Bolt reference, but uh did I just convince you to pick Arkansas?
2: No, I was already picking Arkansas. Oh, okay.
1: I'm picking Baylor. We're splitting up on this one. I'm picking Baylor. Um I do think that Arkansas is the kind of team that is capable of winning of going to Waco Gym. I just don't think that Baylor I think Baylor's too physical and too offensive. I think the bottom line to me is you have to outscore Baylor. Oh, well, you have to outscore anybody to win a game, but I don't think they can hold down Baylor's offense. They seem like they have too many ways to beat you: power, speed. They're so balanced offensively, it's not just the one guy you have the game plan.
0: Well I I lean towards Arkansas actually. I mean um, I mean I like that I mean like Aaron talked about getting Stannett going is huge and and this is a team they, they went on the road. They won a series at Florida. I, did they not? I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah and they sure did. did. Yep. They did. And Baylor, I mean it, I mean, who was the best? I mean, did they beat um, A&M in the regular season? I'm trying to think. They, they swept a but A&M but they, didn't I mean, even win a regional. Yeah, and then they, they obviously went 0-5 against Oklahoma. And I mean, in the region, I mean, I mean, the teams they beat in that regional, I mean, you know, Dallas Baptist, you know, I mean, they're good and all. I mean u t arlington uh, oral oral Bob yeah. or Roberts, but um they lose you know they lose oral Roberts and they come back and you might have just lost it I mean no.
1: perfectly saying oral Bob at least you didn't say mouth Bob it would have been out' it would have kick you out right now
0: oh <laughs>
1: but uh, bad story that would have been a bad that would have been a lot of bad taste in our in our in our oral Roberts, but uh so you're picking Arkansas. I
0: am going with them.
1: i, I like the reasons you pointed out too arkansas has gone on the road and, and and they've proven they can win on the road against. Good teams, and really Baylor feels kind of like Florida without the power arms, Aaron, <laughs> you know? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Ludie and uh, Muncie kind of are your, your Zanino Tucker, oh, poor man Zanino and Tucker, but they're similar. Um, I kind of like that comp now. Baylor is your poor man's Florida. Um,
2: I think I think the biggest difference is that Florida's got really legit guys in the lineup, you know, pro-caliber guys, and Baylor doesn't. I just think Baylor's – I think they're pitchable, you know, against Good quality pitching, I think they're beatable. And, you know, that's why man. I'm taking Arkansas.
1: I said poor man. Does just, just yeah. Florida have anyone who's been who's taking a dose 34 times like Nathan Orff?
2: No, that's a good point.
1: Orff. Uh, it's the Baseball America podcast. We need to wrap up. We just talked a lot about Oklahoma. Let's talk more about Oklahoma. The Sooners, pretty gritty and gutty themselves this weekend, going on the road at the Charlottesville Regional. They beat Virginia once. That's their neme- Virginia's nemesis. Virginia is the East. Uh, the, After they uh,
0: lost their opener, with that.
1: that's right. That's right. They lost the opener to App State, correct? App State yep. controlled that regional, and then Oklahoma came back to vanquish the Mountaineers, which would have been the biggest Cinderella story, if you ask me. I mean, you were picking Stony Brook. Nobody picked Appalachia State to go to Charlottesville. You're right. And win that regional. So kudos to Coach Pollard and the Mountaineers for their fine season. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, though, now Aaron, it just feels like they're running into a buzzsaw. Uh, having to play South CAC, the two time defending national champions. It feels like Oklahoma is a dangerous enough team with their power arms. I'll start with you, Jim. How do you beat South Carolina in your mind? You see them on T V, you have see, seen see them in regionals in the past. You've been the you've had the you've been you've had the garnet carpet rolled out for you at the yep. Carolina Stadium. How do you beat this team? They won nineteen straight postseason games for crying out loud.
0: It uh, I mean it I if, there must not be a blueprint for it because no one can do it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> great point. Um, it's it's really tough. I can't. I mean, it's hard to just see anybody going in going in there and winning. A, I mean, it has been. I mean, obviously Florida did during the regular season. and the LSU did during the end of the season. But um, so it is possible to go in there and win a series. But during the po- during the postseason, it's just. I mean, I mean we, like we we mentioned that super regional with UConn last year. Right. where UConn goes in there with Barnes and Springer and, you know, a lot of talent, and South Carolina just, you know, I gri- remember that game against Matt Barnes. They just grinded it out. Cool they made game. him work. They made him work for everything, and they eventually got him out in the fifth inning, and then they just they just keep coming. They just do not let up, even if they're not um, – I mean, do we, do we know if Grayson Griner is going to be back this weekend? I know that was uh, – Sounded like there do. was uncertain. there was some uncertainty about that I don't last think we week. Do,
1: yet, Aaron. do do we has that has that been reported yet?
2: I've not heard yet, no, we're still waiting to hear.
1: I, I, I to me to me that's 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 one of the other things that was so impressive about South Carolina again this weekend, Aaron. Grayson Griner, freshman catcher, some pop, throws uh, controls the running game out of the lineup. Dante Rosenberg just plugged right in and uh didn't miss a beat. I mean, uh what do you think the formula is for beating South Carolina?
2: I think you got to get a big lead early on because I don't think you're going to beat them in a close game in the late innings. Um and, and uh you know, especially with Matt Price back there, but and the problem is it's hard to get a, a big lead early on because you're going against Michael Roth and, you know, um you know, Kobe Holmes, who's who's a very solid guy, who's who's pitched in a lot of big games over the last three years. Um but I think that's what you have to do is you have to find a way to jump those guys uh and then and then hold on for dear life because we know they you know South Carolina is not gonna roll over either when they are behind. I mean this team is resilient clearly, but I don't think they're built to overcome, you know, a four or five run deficit. I just think that their lineup isn't isn't like that, you know. Um but uh, you know I don't think Oklahoma is really Explosive enough offensively to, to do that necessarily. I mean, I think this is a fairly average
1: Oklahoma team offensively. I, mean, that, I think it's uh, a below average team. They're hitting 265. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think it's a below but, average offensive team. To me, the, this team is but, defined by its power arms.
2: Yes, I, I agree with that, but I, I, I wouldn't go so far as. To call them below average offensively, only because I think they're playing better down the stretch, and especially this past weekend in regionals, they scored a bunch of runs. You know, they've had some guys get hot for them, like Matt Obersti, and you know, Cody Rins hit heating up again. Um, you know, the fact that we've got a bunch of guys here um, that uh, have played South Carolina before in Omaha. You know, the, the same guys that, that went into Charlottesville and won a Super Regional a couple of years ago, you know, Jack Mayfield and Max White and Cody Wren and Eric Ross and Caleb Bushyhead, these guys are all holdovers here, you know, and, um, and I think that matters. I think it matters that they have experience. Um, But, uh, you know, that said, it's a a tall order to go into Columbia and and win a Super Regional. I mean, there's reason that uh, South Carolina just doesn't lose at home in the postseason, period. They don't lose at home, period, in the postseason, but especially at home. I mean, I think they've got a streak going back to, what, 2002, I think, last time they lost a a home postseason game.
1: (laughs) Wow, are you serious? (laughs) I think that's right. That's insane. So we haven't lost a series at home in uh, postseason in a long time. Sorry, I just tried. I don't know why I decided to try Ray Tanner. I haven't tried that in a long time, but oh, was a raw pick in South Carolina. I am. I am. Yeah, I am too. What, what percentage chance, Aaron? You're the expert. What percentage chance do you give the Sooners? Um,
2: you know, I mean, we'll call it. Uh, we'll call it. Thirty percent. I mean, you know, I think there's a chance. I I think this Oklahoma team is playing with some with some confidence, and um, I do like their arms a lot. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, we'll call it thirty we'll percent.
1: You, you 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 actually have me a little optimistic there, from an Oklahoma point of view. You were starting to lay out a little bit of a blueprint. I just I feel like they're uh, cause they are veteran all that kind of stuff. I just feel like South Carolina's home mojo is just so ridiculous. You know, I just can't see. I almost actually think that the way to beat South Carolina is to rally late because I don't think Matt Price is the same dude that he was last year, the two years before. But I wouldn't want to mm. test that theory. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it'd, be, it'd be better to get out of a big league or big lead early. Um, now finally, Aaron, the super regional that you will be going to, one of the regionals I picked correctly, Kent State, which won the regional at Purdue, epic regional in Purdue. With an epic 21-inning Purdue-Kentucky game, Jimmer, did you watch that game on the?
0: I was following it on the. Um, that was during the uh, NC State Sacred Heart game, so
1: that more kind of yeah,
0: the Kent State and Kentucky was a little more compelling. So yeah, I was watching the. Well, uh, wasn't able to watch it, but I was following the game tracker.
1: That's right. It was Kent State, Kentucky, and even crazier, right. Aaron. That, can, that Kent State. We talked about their pitching all year, but pretty amazing for Kent State to play a 21-inning game and still have enough pitching. To win the regional. No, how
0: about both those teams winning their other games against the, the other two teams? I mean, against Purdue and Valve. I
1: mean, both getting yeah.
0: back to make the regional final. That's huge. Kentucky coming back from the losing. From kudos, kudos to the Wildcats for that.
1: Absolutely. And, Aaron, what happened to the host uh, Purdue Boilermakers in that regional? Did they just put in a uh, they didn't peak at the right time or did their lack of their ordinary, I guess we should say, pitching kind of catch up with them?
2: I think it's that's certainly part of it, you know. I think that uh, they needed Lance Breedlove to to give him a better start than he gave him. I mean, it's really Hayes and Breedlove are the two guys they trusted on that staff, and Breedlove got knocked around by Kent State, um, and that's you know that's what happened to Purdue. I, I do think that you're probably right that they peaked too early. They did lose um, their last series of the year at Iowa, and uh, you know they won the Big Ten tournament, but um, you know it's I think Kent this is a good Kent State team. It's one of those deals like with St. John's. I think you just have to give that team credit. Um, and uh, this Kent State team has been in four straight regionals now, and they were in a, a regional final last year down in Austin after after beating Taylor Youngman in the opener. You know, so I mean, these guys um, they know how to win. You know, and, and they're they're certainly not intimidated, and uh, and they're balanced. They're just a really balanced team, and they're going to go into Oregon. And on paper, they're the better offensive team than Oregon. I mean, you know, m- most of these teams are better than Oregon on paper. Um, offensively you know but uh it's it's a it's a fascinating matchup i think because um you know you you've got a couple of guys in that in that first game that really compete and go after you david star in the lefty against alex Cadell. um you know that's that's a nice matchup between a couple of seniors um and uh after that i think kent state has has bigger arms you know with ryan Bores and tyler scalina and some of their bullpen guys um kent state i, I like their pitching depth better um uh, on paper, I like Kent State kind of better in all facets, but Oregon has kind of like South Carolina—they got a little bit of mojo going.
1: Yeah, I gotta say uh, that was an anticlimactic regional at Eugene. Uh, we only got the one. Do we even? Do we even get a Horton versus? Oh, I guess and we they did. play played once. Though. They played once, and yeah. uh, and Cal State Fullerton uh, a one and two showing. I mean nothing against Austin P. Kudos to Austin P. Two years in a row now. Austin P has gotten to a regional final.
0: they threw yeah. they threw back to back shutouts, didn't they? The, I think in those two uh, the two elimination games.
1: They did, but pretty uninspiring year by the entire Big West conference. Where Fullerton couldn't really sweep people too often. They were just I mean, Rick Vanderhoek just did a tremendous job getting he milked it seemed like he milked everything out of that team, Aaron. And uh and Oregon just kind of uh Quick work of everybody in that, in that regional, a pretty dominant performance, I thought, by an Oregon team that, well, they lost, they got swept the weekend before by Oregon State. I kind of was afraid, yeah. Aaron, that, that Oregon was kind of slipping, kind of like uh, like Purdue, but they, they roared back from it in that regional.
2: You know, they we have to acknowledge that they got a little bit of a break probably in the first game against Austin P kind of a controversial call point. in the ninth inning there. Um, that helped them get those two runs. But I mean, you know, they might have won the game anyway, but we have to at least acknowledge that they didn't exactly dominate that first game against Austin P. But uh you know, but they also didn't throw their number one guy in that game. They threw their number three, Jeff Gold. So, you know, when when they came back with their big guns with Cadell against Fullerton, um, who, you know, didn't have he didn't have his best outing. He gave up five runs in seven innings, but he gave him a chance to win and and you know the, the reason that uh, I almost picked almost picked Oregon last week uh was Jimmy Sherfy I think he's a real X factor in the bullpen and and he came up big for them again in this regional but uh you know this Oregon team I think is tough to beat at home um and and that's I say that. I mean, they went. They went on the road and won a bunch of big series in conferences this year. We've talked about how they went to Arizona and they went to UCLA and Stanford and won road series at all those places. Uh, but uh, I just feel like their their home ballpark plays so well to their strengths. Um, you know, they're twenty eight and six at home this year, um, and uh, you know it's because they they know how to. You know, the ball. It, it's kind of like the opposite of, of their Arizona's park. We talked about the fast track out of Arizona. This turf is really slow up at Oregon, um, and you know you have to be able to to manufacture offense and play the small game, and and that's where Oregon thrives at. Um, and, and I think the crowd up there is going to be rocking this weekend, and I think Oregon will probably feed off that as well.
1: You're rocking in the USA in Eugene. Now, Aaron, let's just you're going up there, and obviously, I mean, like you said, Kent State, is, I think is formidable. If either of these teams get to Omaha, it's a pretty big story. Obviously, one of them's getting mm-hmm. I mean, five years
0: ago, you imagine yeah. this super regional. You I mean, couldn't because yeah. Oregon didn't even have a team. Exactly, they
1: didn't even have <laughs> a program. Uh, it's ridiculous. Aaron, what do you think it means for college baseball? Let's start with Kent State. What would it mean for college baseball if the Golden Flashes get to Omaha? Oh, well, it
2: would be. It would you know. It would be a, a breath of fresh air for the entire North. I mean, it would give those guys hope that they can get there, and not, not just a and not not a Big East team or a Big Ten team. You know, that have kind of the big names. I mean, a MAC team. Uh, it's uh, it's a different it's a different ball game, you know. And this this is this is one of the best programs in the Upper Midwest. It has been for years and years. Um, you know they've got a great coaching staff, and uh, you know it. I don't think any of us were shocked that they won that regional. I mean, you picked John, you picked Kent State to win that regional. I'm saying they're the um, best
1: program in the Upper Midwest. They are the most consistent right. program in the Upper Midwest. The Big Ten teams kind of knock knock each other around. Four or five years ago, we thought Michigan was gonna be a power in the in the Big Ten for years and years, and now Rich Maloney's era there is over. You know, Minnesota's been good for a long time. They've been a little up and down here the last couple of years. Illinois was exciting last year. Purdue was great this year. But those big ten teams, there's no established you can't point to one program there and say that's the best program. Kent State dominates the Mac, it feels like year in and year out. they're not the best team, they're the second best team. They're so consistent, they always pitch. They pitched before Scott Strickland got there. We all remember Dirk Hayhurst and Gus Klebevy <laughs> and Andy Sonnenstein. That was a pretty great rotation in 2003. They just yeah. been, We all remember Dustin Hermanson. This has been going on for a long time. I think Kent State's the best program in the upper Midwest. Uh, we'll see if Greg Beals can change things at Ohio State because Bob Todd, while well, Bob Todd was there with a benevolent, uh, I don't know what, what the word I'm saying, but he didn't seem like he really got after it. At Ohio State, they were Ohio State. Come if you want to come to Ohio State, we're here for you. If you don't, that's okay too. Kent State gets after it. And Scott Strickland's a good coach. Mike Birkbeck's a great pitching coach. They've got a great staff. They've got good players. They've got adequate facilities. This is the best program in the Upper Midwest. I'm throwing it down there. They're going to put it. In, they're, yes. going to, they're going to seal it when they go to Eugene and beat the Ducks. I'm going out on the limb. I'm picking the Golden Flashes. Reversing your your
2: pre-tournament pick where you had the Ducks over over the Flashes.
1: I am, I'm reversing I like it. I'm feeling it. the mojo. Right. I got a little got a little excited. I'm, I'm, I've had like six cups of coffee today, so. Uh, I was last hoping
2: for a,
0: Last day of the draft. Hoping for
2: Howard Dean. Hoping for Howard Dean. Howard Dean scream there at the end. We didn't get. It. We got
0: a Eugene. to Complete with some, uh, some finger pointing and fist pumping and everything. <laughs> I did get a little animated.
1: You did just miss the animation, physical the physical animation. But I'm taking Kent State, Aaron. I'm I'm just I, I think this is how they put their stamp on. They're the program in the Midwest. Uh, Jim, or how, are you with me?
0: I am with you. Wow. Upset Flashes city. are getting it done. You're picking it's Oregon,
1: your right, Jim? right, Aaron? I am going to pick Oregon. You know, the team
2: that uh, they won all those games in the Pac-12, one of the best baseball c- conferences in the country, they've got a lot of pride. Uh, you know, I know that uh, they feed off it when, when boneheads like us pick against them. <laughs> I know that for a fact, so they feed off it. Uh, so you guys can pick against the Ducks. Not me. I'm jumping on the Ducks bandwagon all the way to Omaha.
1: If I see George Horton in Omaha, if they're there, George is going to give me hell. <laughs> it's going to get ugly. I'm going to say this, too. If Oregon gets to Omaha, uh, it started last year. And George told me last year in Omaha, he thought they were a regional team last year. He said they didn't earn it. They got started too late. We loved the way they finished last year. And for coaches who listen to this, you know, players who listen to this, that kind of stuff can carry over. And look, it's about – it's two wins away from carrying Oregon back to, uh, to, to the old Series and with their fourth year of playing game. It's unbelievable. It's their fourth year, right? Yeah. It's been five years since Coach Horton left Fullerton. He's had a year to prepare, and then they started playing. And if Oregon gets to Omaha, I tell you this much, you're never going to hear the end of that story on, on ESPN. They will, they will talk about the Ducks ad nauseum. And I bet you Nike rolls out some new uniforms that will be as garish as you want to be. They'll probably have actual feathers on them uh, as opposed to the painted-on ones that the football team has on. A scale of 1 to 10, Jimmer, how crazy will Nike go on Oregon baseball uniforms if they get to Omaha?
0: I'm seeing some chrome batting helmets maybe, some, uh, maybe, some maybe black with silver uh – Pinstripes stripes or something, who knows? <laughs>
1: Aaron, have they ever worn the uniforms with the dad that just had the giant O on the front? Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah I remember those. I, I haven't seen them, but I've seen the Ducks. I think so they rolled the... out like 10 uni combinations when they rolled out the program. Let's we'll see, they they uh,
0: we'll see if they get the lime green shoes like the football team has. <laughs> oh,
1: there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It will be a sartorial splendor in the grass at uh, TD Ameritrade if the Ducks uh, get to Omaha. In some ways, I'm almost hoping they do now. Uh, just for that. Uh, but so my picks, uh, LSU, going from the top of Aaron's blog post, LSU, Zona, Stanford, uh, or as we sometimes affectionately call them, Stanford, UCLA. Not this time. Not this time. Uh, I believe, it, we, did we all pick those four the same? Yes. We did. But the other side, where we have a little divergence, I picked Florida. I think we all picked Florida, correct? Yep. Jimmer and I picked Baylor, but you picked, no, I picked Baylor. You guys both picked Arkansas. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, we all picked South Carolina, and then I went crazy, and Jimmer joined me in my, uh, uh, insanity and picked the, picked the golden flashes of Golden State, of, of Kent State, and Aaron, you picked the Ducks because you're going there. That's right. You want to get invited to next year's, uh, preseason banquet in the state of Oregon.
2: (laughs) You know, I got to tell you, Oregon, um, they got something special going up there, John. I'm just telling you. I think I think it's in the water up there. Uh, something about that state. It's a baseball crazy
1: state. How awesome is that? College baseball has a, a baseball crazy state in Oregon. Baseball completely mad in love states in Louisiana and South Carolina. You got the state with the second most Division One teams in the in the whole country, the Empire State. Uh, yeah, we, we need to have Jay-Z and Alicia Keys uh, this weekend showing up at uh, mm-hmm. either in LSU or, uh, or or out in Arizona for Stony Brook or St. John's. Um, and, how
2: about, and how about New Mexico getting two teams to, to regionals? How about Indiana getting three teams to regionals and one of them hosting? I believe you're only allowed um, to
1: call it the land of enchantment on this podcast. <laughs> that's
2: a good point. I apologize.
1: <laughs> um, we're keeping our national championship picks there, and I suppose you and uh, Florida still alive. I, I haven't changed that. My new bracket winner on the other side is UCLA, uh, replacing uh, the dethroned Tar Heels. Who are you replacing Texas A&M with? Oh, uh, I'm going to go with LSU. All right, LSU for you, Jimmer. We did not get your pre-tournament picks. Who were your pre-tournament picks? And have you had to do any adjusting?
0: Um, pre-tournament picks. Well, so you're I would you. be. <laughs> I would probably. You now I know I'm having to go back in time here.
1: Well, you could, didn't, you didn't make, if you didn't make pre-tournament... I don't picks, think
0: I've made... I'm not on the record with anything, okay. so... Who I'm are your
1: picks now? You, you have a 1-in-16 chance.
0: 1-in-16. I think I would take... Let's see. I'm just going to have to think it through out loud. I'll stick with the Gators on that side of the bracket, and then... Um, who am I feeling?
1: Who are you? Oh. You, have, you have a 1-in-8 shot here, 12.5% Honestly,
0: chance. I mean... I think my, my brain tells me the LSU, another... All SEC final. I don't know if I would actually just if I would actually, but that's what I'm. I think that's what I'm going to. That's what hey, you can that's, put me down for that.
1: That's what you're feeling. Another
0: right? all SEC all, all SEC final.
1: I'm going with the two top national seeds. By and way, I, I, then
0: I would take the Gators.
1: I like your. Uh, I, I think we're all picking the Gator, but uh, LSU in a in a uh, series like this, they're starting pitching, and I, I think uh, which Nola is it that pitches? there? in is it Austin? No, Aaron Nola. Thank you. Aaron Nola. I remember, I, I forget who I was talking to late in the year about Kevin Gossman, but he was telling me that Aaron Nola has made such strides in his one year at LSU. And you know, we're in high school. He was a fastball changeup guy. He's had the breaking ball, much more consistent pitch. You know, I had a guy in, when he was in high school say this guy's going to be Lewis Coleman before it's all said and done. And maybe a little bit better version of Lewis Coleman. He might already be Lewis Coleman. So LSU is a, a smart pick, a very good defensive team, but, uh, I'm taking the Bruins. So uh, fun stuff, fun podcast, Jimmer. Uh, do this again next year uh, more often. I don't know if we have any more podcast uh, Nook podcasts here, and I think our next podcast will be from a uh, uh, will be from uh, from Omaha.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and you know, I just realized that if this plays out the way I picked it, we'll have four SEC teams and and four Pac-12 teams in the College World Series. So that would be interesting.
1: Wow, I, did, is that how you picked it? I didn't even think. Of Apparently, it is. Yeah, that is how that would be awesome. To be honest, with you. that would really be awesome. That would be the epic showdown of which is truly the best program in the in the uh, it's uh, you know conference in the country. Is it the conference that has been better in the last twenty years, or is the conference that has been better in the last thirty years? And that has still been pretty good in the last twenty years. I mean, your Pac-10 championship since 1990, when it was, when Southeastern Conference, when it's first with Georgia, you got 98 USC you got uh, the O-State Ballas. Is there another one, or are those it? I think that's it for the Pac-10. I think
0: Slash so. uh, 12.
1: Pac-10 <laughs> slash 12. So you have three Pac-10 slash 12 championships, two for Morgan State, one by USC. You have a couple of runner-up finishes for Stanford. Uh, runner-up State. finish for UCLA. Uh, who else has gotten to Omaha? from a-
0: Arizona State.
1: Arizona State runner-up in 1998, that's right. And
0: Cal was there last year.
1: Cal was there last year. Arizona has been in that span. You haven't had the two schools from Washington, Um, and, of course, Utah has not been. But so the whole league has been represented in Omaha except for the state of Washington. That's pretty impressive. South Carolina, the, the SEC, you have the two South Carolina national championships. You have the six by LSU, and you have the one Georgia. So you have nine to three national championships. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a, That's a big edge. Um, but in terms of total depth, and you did get Vanderbilt, but you haven't had Kentucky get to Omaha. But you've had every other team, I feel like, right, Aaron? Is there any other SEC team that hasn't nope. been there?
2: Ole Miss. Ole Miss comes to mind, John.
1: Nah. <laughs> uh, Ole Miss. I don't think their fans wanted to hear that. <laughs> so Ole Miss and Kentucky versus uh, UW, Washington State, and now newcomer, uh, newfangled Utah. I think the depth, the depth argument might – Go a little bit in the Pac-12's way, especially if Oregon were to get there this year. Um, but I think that obviously, I, I think the edge in the last 20 years has to go to the Southeastern Conference. It would be a uh, my, that would be a mighty mighty showdown. Although you would have three Pac-10 teams on one bracket, and Oregon alone yeah, with three be three athletes. and one on
0: each side. Yeah,
1: it'd be three and one on each side. That would be that would just be fascinating. I'm kind of I'm hoping I lose and that you win that one, Aaron. That would be awesome to see four Pac-12 and four SEC teams there.
2: We'll see. It's going to be a compelling uh, weekend in college baseball. I always love super regional weekend with the, I think the best of three series is so. Uh, it's just so perfect for college baseball. And I mean, you know, the way the whole thing is structured with the regionals and then the supers, and it's kind of mirrored in Omaha with the, yep. you know, the two kind of two regionals leading to one super. I, I feel like it's it's got great symmetry and, uh, you know, the whole thing is, is well done.
1: College baseball's postseason is uh, really exciting, but I I agree. You know, just like this, just like the weekend before the Super Bowl, the uh, the conference championships is the best weekend in pro football. To me, Super Regional weekend is the best weekend in college baseball. So, we uh, appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast, Jimmer. Great job, Aaron. Great job. Uh We will see you in Omaha on the 13th. We'll probably uh, do a pre College World Series podcast there, just because obviously I enjoy talking about uh, college baseball. And we want to remind you that this Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECHSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbett and more on ATECHSports.com. ATECH Win Every Practice. Aaron, have a safe trip to Eugene. We'll look forward to the Super Regional breakdowns online and we'll look for you guys back at BaseballAmerica.com. Until next time, so long everybody